In August of last year, I received a text from a couple of high school friends. The kind of friends that you see a couple of times a year, maybe at a wedding or during the holiday season. It's not awkward since we already have this great foundation of a friendship, but life takes you in different directions. You don't really see them that much. And with social media and technology, you basically still know what's going on with these people's lives. Anyway, the text said, Hey, Ben, you want to come to Peru with us? We want to go on a hike. I said, Yeah. And so did three other people. This episode of Mountain Meister is a trip report about six dudes in their 20s who want to go on an adventure. They have limited time to take off of work, and they don't have sponsors to pay for it. To put it simply, it's real life. I know listening to professional athletes and extreme adventures is fun, and it definitely serves a purpose. But the Meisters are outliers. They show us what's humanly possible, not what's humanly probable. I'm Ben Shank. You're listening to Mountain Ish Meister. This episode of Mountain Meister is supported by Big Agnes, whose innovative line of tents, sleeping bags, and sleeping pads are so comfortable, I could just fall asleep while talking about them. Oh, in fact, I'm using them right now. For 20% off of your purchase, go to BigAgnes.com. Use the code MEISTER at checkout, and thanks. I think that's one of the cool things about traveling, though. You, you realize what you take for granted yeah. back in the States a lot. That's Phil. He's one of the six members of our group and probably the most experienced. You know, I'd spent a good amount of time in Alaska studying glaciers, doing a lot of hikes, um, high altitudes, things of that nature, skiing and mountain biking and stuff. Then there was also me. I've done a few trips here and there. Nothing too intense. But the rest of our crew had very little hiking and backpacking experience. No, I haven't really done anything this strenuous before. Um, never really went on a hike before. That's Brub. Yeah, Brub. B-R-U-B. His real name's Eric, but everybody has called him Brub for the past 20 years. It has something to do with either he or one of his brothers not being able to say the word brother. Instead, he said brubber, which then turned to brubby, and now brub. Nicknames. Going through school, I studied geology, and this was actually the first time I got to experience mountain ranges of this caliber. That's Zeke, another friend from high school. He and his older brother, Max, joined us for the trip. I'm not sure of the best way to describe Max, but he's the guy who, before the trip, you wonder if he's going to make it back in the U.S. or just get stuck in Peru. I came here to meet people, get drunk, and hopefully find a wife. Uh, I accomplished two of those three things. Finally, we have Matt, who is Brub's older brother. It was Matt's idea to do the trip. You know, you can travel within the U.S. or, you know, to, you know, Canada and you can get an experience that's unique, but... Here, I mean, they, their life, they, they just don't know. They haven't seen um, the way that we live. And we haven't known or seen the way that they live. And it's so unique to what we're used to. All of these guys have really easygoing personalities and they're open to new experiences. For me, that's one of the most important things is the people you go on the trip with. 
Didn't really matter where we went, although I'd never been to South America before, so that was an added bonus. But who I was going with, that was the important thing. And I was really excited to go with these guys. Most likely you've seen pictures of the Machu Picchu remains in Peru. They're gorgeous. We had seen those pictures too, and we wanted to see it with our own eyes. Now, you can get to Machu Picchu by train or bus, but there are also multiple different trails that go there. They're the ones that the Inca civilization used in the 14 and 1500s. The most popular of those trails is the Inca Trail. It's so highly demanded that the Peruvian government has had to limit the number of people that hike this thing to 500 total a day, and only 200 of those can be trekkers. The rest have to be porters and mountain guides. You have to book many, many months in advance for this trek, and we also wanted something just a touch more off the beaten path. Still a guided tour because we didn't really know what we were doing. So we looked around, and we found the Salcantay trek to Machu Picchu. It's typically a five-day, four-night trek. We only had four days and three nights to spend on the trail, so we reduced it and made one of the days a little bit more intense and another day a little bit shorter. Beyond that, the differences between the Salkantai Trail and the Inca Trail. Salkantai goes a little bit higher, 15,300 feet at the high point versus 13,800 feet for the Inca Trail. Also, there's no limit for the number of people that can go on the Salkantai Trail. Also, I figured while I was at this, I might as well try to make it a business trip. If I could find a way to create this podcast episode that you're listening to right now, On the trail, it'd be good exposure for the guiding company, and maybe they'd pay for my guided portion. So I emailed and called a bunch of different guiding companies and had no luck until I talked to one of my friends, Chris Shane. He's a landscape photographer and a seasoned hiker, climber, mountaineer. He lives in Boston. Chris had been to Peru, and he recommended that I talk with Elias from Kaipi Peru Tours. Yeah, so I actually met Elias um, through a mutual friend who, um, by chance, in a totally different story, um, I'd met hiking in the White Mountains and then just so happened to be on the same plane, doing having the same hiking plan as me. Uh, on the same exact day, I was traveling to Peru uh, with my girlfriend three months later, and he had set up this tour with um, Elias. And uh, so luckily I was able to just ask him uh, nicely, Elias, if he could give me a ride to the starting point of this trip, which would be the Salcante Trek. Um, I planned to do it myself. I bought all my gear. And uh, so basically, you know, they lined up a ride uh, for me to uh, catch a shuttle. I think it was at 4.30 a.m. or something like that. So here I am sprinting through the streets of uh, Cusco, Peru at 4 a.m. by myself with two heavy packs on, trying to find this little mini street where they're waiting for me. And uh, so I was lucky enough to hitch that ride with Elias and have a conversation and um, you know, just kind of on the way to Salcante and sort of have my own itinerary. And luckily, uh, or, or I guess um, thankfully rather, um, I kind of just followed them. And uh, so we got to the first lunch spot at like 2 p.m. or something like that. And uh, I was like, oh, trying to figure out, you know, okay, they got the porters just making food and everything. Okay, I'll set up and make my food. And Elias comes out of the tent and just looks at me and he says, Hey Chris, like it's time to eat, <laughs> and 
I didn't know what to do because I had all my food and I wasn't part of this trip. I hadn't signed up for it. And uh, my friend kind of looked at me and was like, kind of giving me the little wave, come on, come eat. And so that kind of just happened for the next few days where they fed me. I got to tag along, meet Elias and talk with him and became my friend. Um, and so I ended up just giving him all the money I had, which wasn't that much. Certainly wasn't as much as the um, the total tour, you know, that those two people had paid. So just the generosity uh, that Elias um, had, uh, it just left an imprint on me. And I think he just certainly embodied the culture um, of the people you find down in Peru. Uh, so that generosity and willingness to help anyone. So uh, it was a great experience. After I spoke with Chris, he connected me with Elias. Then Elias agreed to my request for a comped trip in return for podcast exposure. A good trade, in my opinion. The night before our trek, I got to meet Elias and our guide, Santiago, who really had those same characteristics that Chris was describing in Elias. He cared so much and had so much passion for his country. You'll hear more from Santiago later, but here he is at our first campsite on night one. This is him describing our itinerary, day one. It was about a three hours ride to get a Moyepata, and then it was another hour and a half to get a Soraipampa, the starting point for us. Our people cook, you know, you enjoy the, the lunch there. And uh, after the lunch, we have a fake nap, and now... We are after hour and a half, I think, you know. Yeah, so we did about a thousand feet, I think. Yeah, uh, hour and a half a walk after the, the lunch to get to this campsite. It's uh, the coldest campsite, as I told you yesterday. And uh, it's about uh, 13,000 feet. And uh, we saw the glacier. It's uh, beautiful. It's uh, massive. You, you already saw that one, and uh, you took your pictures. And uh, the location that we have is next to the river, and uh, no light pollution here and no noise pollution also. The only problem that we have right now is, uh, you know, the headaches, I mean, all the altitude sickness that we can get in this elevation. This is Ben checking in from our first campsite on night one of the Salkantai trek to Machu Picchu. In front of me is the 19,000-foot mountain, Salkantai, which we walk next to on our trek. Some people climb the mountain, which is hard to believe looking at it. It's huge. The other five fellas in our group, Matt, Max, Eric, we call him Brub, Zeke, and Phil, are all resting in their tents right now. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I think the marathon training has definitely helped, and also three of us had the chance to stay in Cusco, which is 11,000 feet for one night. They actually actually recommend you doing that for two nights. Um, Unfortunately, the other three had to hang back in Lima and buy another flight to Cusco early in the morning because their bags got stuck in Florida. This is for real. They say adventure starts when things go wrong. Well, things went wrong here. The original plan was to get into Lima on night one, fly to Cusco about an hour and a half away to 11,000 feet, acclimatize at that town, then go to our first campsite the following morning at 14,000 feet. Unfortunately, two of the guys were a little bit late for their check-in time in Pittsburgh. Their bags got stuck in Florida. 
They had to stay an extra night in Lima, sea level, rather than Cusco, 11,000 feet. They bought an early flight out of Lima, woke up at 4 a.m., got to Cusco at around 9 a.m. We started our trip and we ended up getting to our campsite 14,000 feet later that day. So, in a span of about 12 hours, they had very little sleep and had gone up 14,000 feet. Needless to say, they didn't feel too great. Can't say that was my ultimate goal. Put myself in the worst possible shape coming into this, but、um, it definitely didn't help that I had people encouraging me to stay up all night drinking and partying and almost missing our flight and having no altitude acclimation prior to making the hike.、Um, but I was confident that we would make it somehow.、Mm-hmm. Um, It sucked. Like, honestly, I wish I would have、uh, been a little more prepared because it was miserable for the first day and a half. And I think that's all part of the challenge, though. Is it going to get colder than this? In the morning, it will be colder. And、uh, it's a beautiful sky, as you can see. It's a beautiful sky. You saw all the stars. We saw Orion. We,、uh, we will try to see some of the planets, too. And、uh, it's going to be colder. Later on, it's going to be colder, and early in the morning, three, four in the morning, it will be colder than now. Okay? We need to, to, to try to keep our body warm. You are, you are friends, you know, you have a roommate, try to sleep close. Try to, to keep your body warm. There's a great picture of our team with headaches in our dining tent on night one. It's on our website, also social media. Santiago encouraged us to go to sleep early on night one, and we willingly obliged. This episode of Mountain Meister is brought to you by Big Agnes, who makes sleeping at 14,000 feet in the Peruvian Andes easy. Right, Phil? Only when you're using their sleeping pads. Only when you're using their sleeping pads. Good night. Phil and I both used Big Agnes sleeping pads, and both of us slept like babies. I used the Q Core SL, and I have literally never had a bad night's sleep on this thing. Take it with a grain of salt because I very rarely have a bad night's sleep, but it's very impressive that in the cold weather and the altitude, I could sleep the same way that I do on my bed at home. Speaking of gear, there are a few things that I want to highlight. First of all, we went in the month of April, which is the end of the rainy season in Peru and the beginning of the dry season. Kaipi has a whole list of the gear that they recommend for their treks on their website. I tested out a waterproof shell from a new company called Mishmi Takin. You might remember them, they were on our outdoor retailer gear giveaway episode. We didn't get any rain, but I did find an opportunity to use the shell. It was the morning of our second day. It was foggy and cold in the mountains, but we knew that it was going to get warmer. I thought that I would have to take it off much earlier than I ended up doing.、Uh, the jacket shed heat very well. It has these laser cut vents under the armpits and then also by the front and the back of your neck where you're generating a lot of heat. If you'd like to check out this jacket, it's called the Virunga. Mishmi Takin is offering a special deal for you. They have an Indiegogo campaign going on right now, and they've created a unique link, which will give you an even further discount on those Indiegogo prices. We'll have that link only on our website, mtnmeister.com. Go to this episode's Meister profile page, and you'll get that discount. 
5 o'clock in the morning I just had some tea delivered to us By our uh, chefs Phil is feeling a little better Right Phil? Yeah not a bad way to wake up in the morning mm-hmm. so, Slept pretty well through the night Minus having to go to the bathroom Hello Zeke Hola How you feel? Muy bien Muy bien Max? I'll feel better after I get this rolled up. <laughs> what, are you trying to roll up your sleeping bag? Yeah. All right. Eric? I feel a little bit better. Feel a little bit better? A lot better. Last night you wouldn't talk to me. I couldn't talk to you last night. <laughs> Did your head it? Up. Oh, you threw up? Oh, yeah. Where'd you throw up? I tried to walk as far away from there as I could, but <laughs> until it came up. All right. I feel good, though, though. I think I just needed the sleep. 10 plus hours of sleep right. I got. And uh, eat this morning. Yeah, right. I'll grab something to eat. Cool. Feel good. <laughs> All right. You sleep well? Uh, yeah, I did sleep well. Think I need to drink more water. I feel good, yeah, but I, I know I didn't drink very much. Yet. I'm worried I'll be do- I'll be cramping later if I don't. Uh, yeah. Can't drink enough. Just a little in record. Yeah. I threw up very gracefully. <laughs> I looked great when I was doing it. <laughs> I saw Max take a heat and he still up to the head. <laughs> up to the top of the peak? Casual stroll to 19,000 last night, Max. It's cold up there. <laughs> what is this <laughs> contraption <laughs> here? How does this work? So now, strap it down. Put it down. <laughs> Eventually, Max was able to get his sleeping bag on his pack, and spirits were better on day two. But it was by far our longest day. Here's Santiago on the itinerary. And then we start to walk. We walk for about two hours and a half until the summit. The first half an hour or 40, 45 minutes is going to be a steep. And then it's a gentle, gradual going to the summit. At the top, we will see some apachetas or pile stones and to see the glacier again, to take our pictures, selfies, as I told you. We spent a little bit. We have information there. Depends the weather. If we have a bad weather, it's just a picture and we go straight. Okay, we're at the high point of our trek at around 15,200 feet with a shadow of Salkantay Peak about 3,500 feet higher than us, so that has humbled us the entire way. How do you feel, Matt? I feel pretty good. We reached the peak, so I guess it's all downhill from here, <laughs> both, both in terms of elevation and physically. Bro, how do you feel? I struggled a little bit coming up, but I made it a little slower than anyone else, but like Matt said, it's downhill, so I'm feeling pretty good now. After the summit, we go down a hill. We start to go downhill for about two hours and a half to one flat area that we call Wairachmachai, the place where we are going to stop for the lunch. It's still high, it's still, you know, 12,000 feet, something like that. And uh, we enjoy the lunch there, and then after the lunch, a little break, nap, and then we go down again for about three hours. All right, so it is around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we've had a pretty long day. I started at, I uh, woke up at 5, breakfast at 5.40, 
left to hike, I think, at, what, like 6.30? I'm with Matt right now. Around 6.30, yeah. And now we're attempting to get transport to our next campsite, but it's up in the air whether we'll be able to do that or not. But we have a backup plan. How are you enjoying all this downhill? Uh, yeah, you know, the whole trip's fun, but... Uh the uphill was tough, but I expected that. The downhill's been brutal. It's been the hardest part, and wasn't really anticipating that. After the first day, I was like, I want this to be a little more intense. And then even day two, I was like, ah, oh, this could even be a little more intense. And now I'm not really feeling that way. <laughs> no, no, I agree. And I think it hit the level that, that I was looking for, but now it's been a very long day, and I'm... I'd be just okay to sit down at, uh, sit down somewhere and have a beer right now. Right now we're on like this really casual road just trying to find some place to camp. Uh, so we're just really tired. It's not like what we're doing right now is very hard. Our legs have just been taking a beating. Looks like we're approaching our next campsite. Potential? potential campsite unless we get local transport yeah i think uh, we will have a good luck good luck here yeah okay we can set up our tents here and spend the night because we have you know more places to set up the tents but they talk with some people and they said that uh, one is coming in about uh, 20 minutes okay otherwise we will talk with the owner the driver, I hope that uh, he's sober because it's Sunday. Uh, we, he might not be normally, sober. we normally drink on Sunday. Okay. Good job. At this point, all of us are exhausted and we keep hearing about local transport. I don't think any of us really knew what it meant though. I at first thought it was like a bus or a train, but then we passed a village with one car. It was a really tiny pickup truck and Santiago asked us if we were comfortable riding in the bed of that truck. All of us said, yeah, because we were so tired, but unfortunately the driver couldn't take us. Maybe it was fortunate though, because if I would have known what kind of road we were facing at that time, I would have 100% said, no way I am getting in the bed of that pickup truck. So we keep walking and eventually make it to another little village. They say a local transport will be there in about 20 minutes. One rolls up, it's a 12 passenger van that's completely full. This conversation in Quechua went on for a few minutes with us wondering why they're even talking. The entire van is full. Okay. Uh, we have a transportation. It's going to be 20 soles all the way until uh, the hot springs. We will squeeze a little bit. 20 soles is about $6 each for a one and a half hour ride. This was by far the most eye-opening part of the trip for me. What we thought was a huge adventure was just everyday life for the people that we were joining inside of the van. Our hiking packs that were stuffed with pretty unnecessary things were being put on the roof right next to their burlap sacks full of necessities like food and supplies. We thought it was crazy to squeeze seven more people into a 12-passenger van that was already full, the locals were already sliding over to make room for us. We were taking photos of the cliff edge that we thought this overweight van would drive off of. The guy in front of me was sleeping. The girls in the front seat were playing with a toy out of the window. All right, so we're inside of our local transport 
But what we didn't know about our local transport is that it was going to be a passenger van that normally fits 12 people, except I think how many do we have, Rob? 18 inside and one on the roof. And one on the roof. Plus a pig. <laughs> and plus a pig, a live pig that's inside of a bag on top of the car, which is squealing. And, uh, you know, those really sketchy roads that you see on the cliff sides in third world countries. Well, that's, that's exactly what we're on right now. <laughs> I think we're over capacity. We got a nice uh, bamboo guardrail, so we yeah. should be all right. Yeah. Feeling good if we're still alive in an hour and a half. <laughs> Hell of a way to top off a 19-kilometer hike. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't think the driver did this on purpose, but Bob Marley was playing for the entire ride. We needed some reassurance that every little thing was going to be all right. And it was. Oh, this bridge is nice. <laughs> On day three, we hiked to Aguas Calientes. It's a touristy town near Machu Picchu. We showered, we got massages, we stayed at a hotel, and we celebrated that night. On day four, we went to Machu Picchu. We took all the photos that everybody takes, and then we took a train and a van back to Cusco. This was the least adventurous and most touristy part of our trip, but it it was a good way to finish. On the second day of our hike, I had a great opportunity to learn more about our guide, Santiago, and why he does what he does. Here's our conversation. Okay, so we're here on our descent to our lunch spot, taking a quick break for a snack. Here with Santiago, our guide. Hello. Hola. Hola, como estas? How are you doing now? You feel much better? I feel great. Yeah. I've I've been surprised. I thought I was going to have a headache at some point during this trip, but so far so good. And uh how was it was it nice for you to to climb the the summit to see the lake up there? It was beautiful. I love a picture of that beautiful blue lake. I don't know if I've ever seen that color of blue before. Um but it was I liked having a lot of higher peaks around us because I feel like it humbles us on our climb to never actually reach the highest point around us. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And uh, sometimes every corner we think that uh, is, uh, you know, is the summit, but uh, we needed to climb a little bit more and more. Mm-hmm. So you were telling me earlier about your job. You wanted to study, become a lawyer, and then kind of a change of pace. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yes. Uh, you know, it's part of my life and... Uh, I changed my mind when uh, my parents divorced and uh, I started to study, uh, you know, at the university to become a a tour guide. And now it's, uh, you know, a different life for me to bring people here into these mountains. It's a a great job. I really enjoy, you know, to to be here with the people as you, uh, uh, that enjoy, you know, the hike, enjoy the nature and uh, be part of uh, the, your experience here. Mm-hmm. And you said that people weren't exactly accepting of you changing from studying law to studying tourism, right? Oh, yes, yes. A uh, long time ago, wasn't a lot of uh, work for uh, the, the tour guys here because we didn't have uh, too many visitors. But uh, now it's... Uh, it's different. Uh, Peru is a nice country. We have uh, a beautiful place. It's not only Machu Picchu. As uh, so you can see here, you know, the glaciers, uh, the valley, the nature here is uh, very beautiful. At the end, we will see Machu Picchu, 
but uh, we have uh, more things uh, to see uh, in in Cusco actually in uh, in uh, the town that I live is uh, many places to see cathedrals that we have uh, museums and uh, some ruins around and then uh, we have Machu Picchu you know as a, a big big uh, advertising for us mm-hmm. so you do three main tracks the Salcantay um Inca Trail, and then uh, what was the other one? Uh, the Laris Trek. Laris Trek. And how many times have you done each of those? Uh, the Inca Trail, more than 900 times. Uh, the Salcantay is about 500. And the Laris Trek, I got my graduation in Laris Trek, and I did uh, maybe at uh, 600 times. Um, when we were originally looking at uh, outfitters for this trip, we noticed that there were some very inexpensive ones, uh, and I read online that some maybe don't treat the porters as well, and the payment for the porters uh, isn't fair. Um, is that true, and what do you do to ensure that your porters are well treated? That is very true. Uh, some, of the, some of the companies, they don't treat the, the local workers well, but uh, the company that you choose, Kaipi, is uh, one of uh, the companies. I don't want to tell you that it's the only one, but it's one uh, new company that uh, is uh, uh, changing uh, the, the rules uh, here in order to bring uh, respect and uh, fair pay for the local workers here. And uh, as a tour guy, I can go to to the kitchen, for example, and ask if they have enough food for them, because that is a very important. Here in Salcantay, we don't have too many people. We have only two people with us, but when we do the Inca Trail, we have more people. Imagine for six people for our group, we will need uh, at least 12 or 13 people to carry all the equipment. And I have to go to the kitchen and ask if they have enough food for everyone. And uh, I talk with them, I speak the language, the Quechua, because mostly of the people that the Kaipi choose, they are from the countryside, they speak more Quechua, and I ask them if the trade is good. I mean, when they go back after to finish one hike, they go to the company, they see the, the owners, they talk with them, and I ask if they trade well. And they told me the truth, because it's nothing, you know, in a, uh, hiding, uh, we speak just the truth. Santiago, we're having a wonderful time. Thank you. Thanks to you and uh, thanks uh, to to choose the company, uh, Kaipi. And uh, I'm really, really happy to be part of this uh, group. And uh, it's an honor for me to be, you know, a, a tour guy. Uh, I don't want to be a tour guy for you. I just want to be a friend. And uh, for me, it's just a pleasure to, to show you the beauty of the nature. You know, the, the one thing that I found... That's Chris Shane again, know, the one that introduced me oh, to yeah. Kaipi. And, uh, I think kind of reflected, you know, Kaipi as, um, you know, as a whole was that I remember my friend Paolo had asked him, you know, what do you like about this job? Uh, you know, do you, don't you get sick of walking the same path every, you know, two, three days or something like that? And Elias's response was, no, it never gets old because it's always changing. The weather is always changing. The mountains are always changing. And when he said that, he had this sort of, you know, like fire in his eyes and just kind of sense of wonder that, you know, I share as well. And so I thought, you know, that was just an awesome representation of, you know, someone that you'd want to go on a tour with uh, because he's going to really love where he is and you're going to feel that um, and you're going to have a similar experience. So that was something that I I just definitely never forget uh, from Elias. 
few days after the trek, we had a chance to sit down and reflect on the experience. For me, I'll remember it as the perfect balance of adventure while also remaining in control. I'm also psyched that we all had to push ourselves both physically and mentally because I think that makes it more memorable and more meaningful. But, um, yeah, like uh, we were out there and I kept thinking that I need to somehow conquer this mountain and, and like it was impossible to make it up because I was really in bad shape for a while and then, you know, at some point I just had to change attitudes and embrace it and realize that it's, you know, the trek is, you know, the journey is the fun part. So we just took our time with it and it made it a lot easier. As I was going uphill, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think that might be accurate. <laughs> I definitely struggled. But I, like I said, I, I knew it was going to be tough. I didn't know how tough. But it was still fun and, and uh, I just kept thinking a little further you'll make it to the top and then afterwards we're going downhill because that's what our guide told us it's all downhill after the uphill part so that was helpful and seeing everyone else go ahead of me was helpful too were, so. you, were you happy to be there like in the moment in the uh yeah i would say so because i knew i really wanted to to go to machu picchu mm-hmm. um and it was definitely like i said worth it but i was definitely questioning myself as to why i didn't train for it i never i would never say that i i was sitting there saying I shouldn't have came on the trip or I shouldn't have done this, but I was definitely frustrated with myself for not mm-hmm. training so I was in better shape to get up the hill. But I think, you know, each hike you take or each adventure you do, they all present, you know, some kind of different uh, focal point, more or less, where, you know, you there's something you really enjoy about that. Um, this one, you know, I think it was being with the group of people that we had um, Peru is definitely one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen before. Um, going from, you know, changing landscapes where you're down, you know, in the tree line, you have, you know, beautiful green lands, uh, the landscape, you know, leading up to the glacial peaks, snow-covered peaks and everything. Um, amazing rock structure, that kind of stuff. Um, then going down, you know, seeing these rivers cut through the valleys, all that kind of stuff, to a glacial lake, you know, getting at the top of Salkantai Pass and everything. So, you know, I think... That was, you know, in my in my mindset, you know, one of the beautiful things that captivated me was just, you know, the landscape in general. And I think also uh, the people of Peru, um, I think, you know, awesome. Our tour guide, Santiago, uh, you know, hats off to him. He was definitely pushed us along our way and everything, kept, you know, our spirits high. This is like my first big adventure when it came to outdoor activities. Um, I've traveled before, but... Uh, nothing this strenuous, this crazy, and uh, we wanted this to be an adventure going into it. We didn't want just to pay for the perfect scenery. We wanted to earn it, and I think with the way that we handled ourselves in certain situations, we definitely earned it. Um, I think one of the things that's a little bit like... uh, disappointing about experiencing these wonders now is that everyone that's gone to high school has in the U.S. has seen you know, hundreds of pictures of Machu Picchu. It's, it, it, there's no comparison to actually being there, but still you, you, you know, know generally what it looks like. On the hike, there was so much that was unexpected mm-hmm. that um, was so unique to, to something we experience on a day-to-day basis. If this sounds like a trip for you or any of the other ones that Kai P offers, let me know. 
Ben at mtnmeister.com. Kai P is discounting their prices 10% exclusively for Meister fans. And I also earn a commission for each person that signs up. So it's a great way to support the podcast. Again, let me know. Ben at mtnmeister.com. If you end up going, here's some final pieces of advice from our crew. Don't don't overpack. I think that's one thing I did too. My bag was so jam-packed full and I didn't use half of the stuff in it. You know, other than hello, how are you, that kind of stuff didn't really wasn't too comfortable speaking the language and you know, I think with Ben's knowledge he had, you know, basic phrases, you know, he knew yeah, I would say he was an expert or very fluent. But, you know, it was enough to point us in the right direction a lot of times to find places, things of that nature and you know, I struggled with the same thing when I was in Vietnam recently. And, uh, you know, if you have the time, definitely take the time, learn the language a little bit. For the people, there's a lot of people that I'm sure listen to the podcast that um, do a lot of traveling and enjoy the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And this is not something that's, you know, they don't just do one trip like this in their life. But to the people that just enjoy talking about it and haven't made that jump to do something, you know, experience something on a different continent, do it. Nobody is old and says they regret traveling mm-hmm. this is something that I know that I'll remember forever and there's not a single aspect of this that I regret hey thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed this trip report from Peru it was a struggle to reduce everything that happened on this trip into 30 minutes so if you have any questions let me know ben at mtnmeister.com Mountain Meister's sponsor for this episode is Big Agnes, who makes some of the most comfortable sleep systems on the market. Check out their full line at BigAgnes.com and take off 20% from whatever you want. BigAgnes.com. Use the code MEISTER at checkout. While you're online, go look at our Mountain Meister t-shirts. I spent so many hours researching what makes a t-shirt your favorite. Why do your hands gravitate towards certain shirts, but then they leave the other shirts by themselves in the back of the drawer? Well, there are a few characteristics, and I implemented those into the Mountain Meister shirt. Because honestly, I need people to do more than just buy this shirt. I need them to wear it. The more you wear the shirt, the more people to find out about the podcast. Anyway, go look at them. mtnmeister.com. And when you're ready, buy one. As usual, I hope you enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do while you listen to the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. I'm your host, Ben Shank. Till next time, you've been listening to Mountain Meister. <laughs>